want to invite you to open up your Bibles if you have them, or pull them up on your phone to the book of Haggai. Um, if you can't find the passage of the book of Haggai, you can look in the bulletin. The verse that we're going to be looking at, the verse we're going to look at today are in there. Um, also, we'll have, there's a place there to take notes if you want to take notes uh, on the sermon. And I actually want to start today by reading the passage that we're going to be looking at, because it describes a problem that we all can relate to. Uh, having said that, you might not think you can relate to this when we first read it, but don't worry. Hang on. So this is Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Uh, so listen now. This is God's word. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. So this is God's word. And today we're actually going to zoom in specifically on verse 6. Okay? Um, Where it says, you have sown much and harvested little. Now, you need to understand, this was an agricultural society. So everybody just about farmed back then. And so for them... Farming was their work, okay? It was what they did for a living. It was what they did to provide for themselves. So if we rewrote this verse today, uh, to speak today to us, none of whom are farmers, although I know one person whose heart's desire it is to be a farmer, um, this is what it would read like for non-farmers, right here. You work really hard, but it feels like it's never enough. Can you relate to that? <laughs> you work really hard, but it feels like It's never enough. I mean, this is a tension that so many of us wrestle with. You know, we all work, but it feels like our work doesn't actually satisfy us. Our work doesn't actually make us happy. And whether your work is sort of out there in the office on a job site, or whether work is at the home, or whether you're in a classroom, it feels like you work really hard, but it's never, ever enough. And we're studying in this book of Haggai, just sort of the bigger picture. I want to remind you, we're looking at Haggai because Haggai shows us the secret to a new beginning. Okay, God is showing us how to have a new beginning. And it's amazing to me, uh, seeing this week in and week out, um, it's amazing that this short book, just two chapters long, and it was written in 520 BC. So it was written 2,536 years ago. It was written so long ago, but it describes this problem that we still face today. It describes the tension that we wrestle with. Even though it was written to a very different culture, it's clearly wrestling with the same things that we are today. And it's wrestling really with two things that we've looked at over the course of the weeks. These tensions that we struggle with. We ask ourselves, why does it life seem to work out? And then to have a new beginning, where do you start? This is what Haggai has been showing us. Um, and we've seen this in the last few weeks of sermons, and they're all online on our website if you've missed them, but that this new beginning where life actually works out, it involves making God priority. It involves putting God first. And so practically what we've seen up to this point is that it means that we need to be taking time to hear God speak to us. Okay, You have to be able to listen. You have to hear God speak in the Bible. You have to hear him speak in church. Putting God first, having him as a priority means spending time with God daily. It means actively thinking about what he's done for us and thanking him for being so good to us in Jesus. 
This is what we've seen up to this point. Pursuing a relationship with God daily and weekly, it means using our time, our talents, and our treasure to honor and to serve God. And these actually resolve these two tensions. And what's exciting is that we're four weeks into this series, and already we're seeing people's lives change because they're putting these principles into action. There are people who are making more of a priority to spend time in the Bible, and they're meeting God. We have people who are changing the way that they approach work. Like as they drive into work, they're using that time to pray, to even sing and to worship God, to prepare their hearts at the beginning of the day to meet God and to live with him and to honor him with what they do. And so we're seeing this happen, and and it's resolving these tensions. Um, I've also... Uh, I also realize, because sometimes like, it can just be simple, right? Let's just do something with God first. It's just that simple. Let's just prioritize. Let's wake up 15 minutes earlier, and let's just spend time with God. And when you do that, boy, life seems to work out a little bit better. Um, but sometimes things aren't that simple, okay? Sometimes there are things that actually get in the way of our relationship with God. Some things challenge us and push us and keep us from making God a priority. And I think this first part of verse 6 shows us that one of the things that gets in front of God in our lives is work. Okay? The work that we do can sometimes get in the way of our relationship with God. Sometimes in our lives, our work actually comes first because we put our work in front of God, and when that happens... We're stuck. This describes work when God is not first. When God is not first in our lives, we work really hard, but it never seems to be enough. And so let's just ask that question, how? Like, how exactly does that work? How do we put work first before God? Let me just show you, um, start with this. Um, One way that work comes first is that I sin. I sin at work which means I disregard God's ways of loving him and loving others. Okay, and so you think about it. Like in the workplace, in your work, you do things that don't please God. For example, you cheat, you cut corners, um, you lie on reports to make yourself look better than you are um, or to get more money, right? This is one of the ways that we put work ahead of God, right? When we conduct our work in ways that don't please God. Um, Another example is that we take advantage of other people. Like we're in the workplace and we decide that we're here for us. And so we might step on other people. We might throw other people under the bus. We might get revenge on people who hurt us in the workplace. And these are sins against other people. They're sins against our company. And this hurts people. Like, it hurts the relationships that are in our workplaces. Um, it also hurts any sense of community in the workplace. If you act this way, you destroy community. You destroy relationships. And it also hurts us. Because when we sin like this, when we do these kinds of things, it actually shapes our hearts and hardens us in selfishness. Okay? And so... These things hurt us when we sin like this and we disregard God's ways to love him and to love others. It hurts our relationships, it hurts us, and these sins also damage our relationship with God. 
Okay, every time we sin in any of these ways that I've mentioned, but countless others, we actually leave God and his path. Uh, we go off on our own. And when work comes before God in this way, it's like us saying, God, I don't care what you want. I'm going to do it another way. Now, it's important not just to talk about how we sin and, and what we do when we sin, but I think it's vital for us to ask the question, why? Right? Why is it that we do these things? Like, why do we do this? Well, I think sometimes there are things that frankly are just more important to us than God. And so if you look in your heart and ask yourself, why is it that I cut corners or lie on my reports because I know I'm going to make more money, I'm doing that because in that point, money is more important to us than God. You might not think about it that way, but functionally, isn't that what you're doing? You're saying, look, it's more important for me to have more money than it is for me to be honest with my boss or honest about what I've done. And so there are times when in the moment, money is more important to us than God. And that's a motivation. You need to look at that. You need to understand that this, uh, that kind of sin is you putting something before God, that God is not first um, that, that money would be more important. I mean, another reason, there's a fear of losing, like fill in the blank, right? Fear of losing money, fear of losing my reputation, fear of losing my boss's approval, fear of losing my job is more important to me than trusting God. So I am more afraid to lose my job than I am to, than I, than I I'm more afraid of losing God than I am uh, what willing to be honest um, and trust that God's going to take care of me if I follow his ways. You, you know what I'm saying? And this is what we do. And We may not consciously start out to say, you know what, I'm going to put my fear ahead of God, but functionally that's what happens in the moment. When your boss shows up and asks you for that report that you haven't done or asks you for that report that makes you look bad, and in that moment you decide that you're going to report something that's not true, in the moment you're saying, like, I've got this fear, I don't want to lose my job, I don't want to lose my raise, I don't want to lose my opportunity, I don't want to lose my reputation, and at this point that's more important to me than honoring God. And so this is what happens. Like what we're functionally saying is I'm afraid that God won't provide for me if I'm honest in my work. And so here's the reality. Here's the reality. If you're guilty of either the what or the why or both of this kind of sin where you've put things, you've disregarded God's ways, here's the reality. If you are putting work ahead of God by sinning in your work, you will work really hard and you will feel like it's never enough. That is the result of putting work ahead of God in this way. You will forever live out Haggai 1.6. That you work really hard, but it always feels like it's never enough. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be satisfied because by doing this, by sinning against God in the workplace, you are neglecting your relationship with God. You are making work your God. And the reality is that your work cannot make you lastingly happy without God. It can't do that. It's not meant to do that. 
Are you with me? This makes sense, right? Sin is actually putting work ahead of God. Um, now, there's another way to do this um, where we say, my work crowds out my time with God slash family slash church. Okay? This is another way that work gets in the way. Um, when our work is so busy, um, when the work takes up so much time. Now, listen, God is all for working hard. God is all for you doing a great job. But your job should not keep you from spending time with God. Right? Your job shouldn't keep you from spending time with your family or spending time in the community of the church. God wants us to say yes to all of these things. He wants us to say yes to him and to our family and to our church and to our work. You know, he wants us to say yes to all these things. Um, but if we neglect God, if we neglect family, if we neglect the church because we're working too many hours at work, then maybe we're working too many hours at work. Now listen, this doesn't mean you can't work hard. Okay, This doesn't mean that you can't have a job that requires a lot of hours. There are a number of career paths that lead to very significant responsibility and big time commitments. But here's the question you want to ask yourself. What is more important to you than God? Is anything so important that God takes a back seat? What is career success if you neglect your family? Think about that. Have you thought about that before? Have you asked yourself that question? What if you got everything that you wanted but lost your family? And what are your accomplishments if you aren't in solid friendships in the church where you're growing spiritually and you are actually helping other people to grow? Now, when we ask those questions, it kind of resets us, right? We're like, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> what am I doing here? And, but I want us to ask that question, why do we do this? You know, why is it that we let our work crowd out our time for God, family, and church? And I think that at the bottom line, here's what goes on inside of us. Whether we consciously think this or not, we believe that we think that work will make us happy in ways that God can't. We think that, God, that work can do something for us, and we actually are willing to put God behind or to put our other responsibilities behind us and neglect those things because we think that pursuing after work headlong to the neglect of these other things will make us happy in a way that God can't make us happy. And we do this because we say, like, so I just, I just want to get ahead. Ask yourself, like, ahead of what? Like, I just want to make more money. Well, like, more money than what? Like, more money than who? Like, really? If you made more money, you're just going to spend more money. You're going to be in the exact same place that you are now. This is what just about everyone does that doesn't put God first, is that they chase after stuff, and they don't know what they're chasing after. They think work is going to make them happy, but it cannot. It can't when we neglect God, family, and church for the sake of our work, here is where it leads. You work really hard, 
but it feels like it's never enough. If you neglect God, family, church, you will never, ever make enough money. You don't. How do I know that? Talk to the rich people that you know who don't have God and family and church. How many people do we see? I mean, in the news, in the media. I mean, they're supposed to have it all, but they're not happy. They're not happy because they need more, because they have given themselves to think that money can make me happy, fame can make me happy, right? That the accomplishments of my career by themselves can make me happy. And their lives are broken messes. You'll either never make enough money or sometimes you'll get the power and you'll get the money and you still won't be happy. Without God first, life simply will never, ever work out. So, what's the solution? Right? These are two ways that we neglect God, two ways that we put work first. How do we fix that? Right? What do we do? Um, I think the answer is twofold. Um, oops. Let's see here. So, first, we need to turn to God. You turn to God. That means confess your sin and honor him. Okay, this is where it begins. It doesn't begin with you saying, all right, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Tomorrow's going to be different. It starts with you saying, okay, God, I need to get right with you. I've been living my life in ways that don't honor you. I've been pursuing after work to the neglect of you, to the neglect of other responsibilities that I have in my life. I mean, God knows our sin, and he wants us to admit where we've been wrong, and to come to him. And God invites us to come, and he's willing to forgive us and give us a new beginning. That's what Haggai is all about. And we know this because of Jesus, right? Jesus suffered the pain and the anguish that our sins have caused. Jesus took the punishment from God that our sins deserve so that you can know God's forgiveness. So you can experience God's forgiving love. So you can know from God his powerful love that will move your heart. I mean, this is what God has done. This love moves you. It fills you to the point where you begin to want to love God and to love others, even in the workplace. And so this is where it starts. It starts with us turning to God. You've ever heard the word repent? Right? The word repent just means turn the direction of your life and follow Jesus. That's what it means. That's what Jesus says. This is where a new beginning starts. If you want to put God first in your workplace, it starts by admitting that you have it. Turn toward Jesus, confess your sins, and then tell God, I want to honor you. I want to honor you going forward starting tomorrow morning. Okay? And so starts with turning to God, and then second, bring God to work with you. Okay? Bring God to work with you. So many people think that work is, by nature, a necessary evil. Okay? The bumper sticker says it all. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Right? <clears throat> work is this necessary evil. Um, work has nothing to do with God 
Actually, God happens on Sundays, right? Not in the workplace. Or God happens before work if you spend time reading the Bible and praying, right? Maybe God shows up at work at lunch if you pray for your food before you eat, right? But that's it. That's how most people think. They think work is just suffering that we all have to endure just to pay the bills. But no, 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 no. God and the Bible say that work is a huge part of your purpose in life. Work is a huge part of why God made you. Um, and so if we step back, this is the kind of thing that I like to do. I like to step back and say, what does the whole Bible say about work? Right From beginning to end, from the book of Genesis at creation, you begin to see God's purpose for work. You see the work that God called Adam and Eve to do. And then in the end of time, in the end of the book of Revelation, you see that actually the work that is done, some of the work that gets done here on earth, shows up in the new heavens and earth. Some of the work that we do ends up lasting into the eternal state in a way that blows my mind. But God has said from beginning to end that work is good, that it was designed to be good, that it has a purpose. And yes, work has been corrupted. Yes, work has been cursed. Yes, work is frustrating and difficult. Yes, work is annoying. Yes, work is boring. Yes, 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 yes. But, but the answer to the curse of work is to bring God with you to work. And whether your work is in an office, in a classroom, in the home, on a job site, in your car, wherever your work is, God wants us to bring him with us to work. And the question is, well, how do we do that? Well, if we look at what the whole Bible says about work, we can get some clues. Okay, there are roles that God wants us to play when it comes to work. We've talked about some of these in the past. I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I just want to give you several of these roles that God has for us at work. First, God says that at work you are a provider. Okay? You're a provider. This means that, you know, God provides, right? God provides. That's, that's one of the things that Christians say. God provides. And something crazy happens, and they go, oh, my goodness, God provided for me. Right? This is what people say. Well, let me tell you that at work, you, God actually calls you to be a provider. And so one of the ways that God ordinarily provides for you is by making you a provider and giving you work. And so your work is a dignifying call from God to provide for your needs, the needs of your family, the needs of your church, and the needs of your community. Okay, God has made you a provider. God thinks so highly of you that he has called you to do work so that you can actually be like him and provide for yourself and others. That's kind of remarkable, right? That's kind of, if you think about it that way, you think, wow, wait, so what I do when I get my paycheck, this is me actually understanding what it's like to be God. I'm getting this amount of money so that I can provide for my needs and my family, my church, the people around me who are needy. And so in this way, your paycheck is an opportunity for you to know God better and to understand your purpose, that God's called you to work so that you can provide. Second, God says that you are an artist. You're an artist. So listen here, through excellence and integrity, your work becomes an art form. 
Okay, when you do your work with excellence, when you do your job well, when you have integrity in the workplace, you become an artist. There are people that you know that do their job, and yet it seems like they are their job, right? There are, it was a guy at Costco that we ran into a couple days ago, and this was a guy, he was at the, uh, like the electronics place, and we walked in, he kind of could tell we were looking for something, he's like, hey, how can I help you? And I said, oh, we're looking for this printer cartridge. And he goes, oh, hey, it's right over here. And he just starts talking. And he's like, hey, did you know that we provide ink filling supplies? Like, so for 10 bucks, instead of paying 90, for 10 bucks, you can get this thing refilled right over here. We do this for you. It's super cheap. It's totally a great idea. And this guy was so happy. He was so friendly. And I was looking at him going, man, like, this guy's an artist. He is. He had integrity. He's telling me stuff that, like, is not going to make Costco as much money, like, for my gain, right? Um, he's telling me things, and he's, like, friendly, right? There's excellence and integrity about his work. And I looked at his name tag, and I saw, oh, he's been here since 2000. I'm like, this guy, you know, he's like a master. He's a master. He knows how to take care of people. He knows how to direct them. And, um, and so, I mean, this is what it means to be an artist. Um, there are some of you, like, so that's very extroverted. You know, I'm obviously an extrovert, so you know, attracted to people that are extroverted, and I notice them, right? Well, so for you introverts, right, um, there is an art form to doing code well. I'm just picking, like, for coders, right? There are different ways that people can code, and some people just have a knack for saying things succinctly, for doing writing that's succinct, that is to the point, that bottom lines things really well, that helps other people to be able to move forward, right? Provides information and support. Um, There's an art form to doing your job with excellence, There's an art form to doing it with integrity where people trust you, where where you're a go-to person, where you know that the quality of your work is a reflection on the God that you believe in, right? So that people can see the work that you do and go, wow, I don't really agree with you, but I'm really thankful that you're here. There's someone here in our church that was told that, like our office is better when you're here. So, And that's an opportunity for you to connect your work, like your work is an expression of your relationship with God. It's an expression of the excellence of God, and it's it's, it's a reflection of the integrity of God. So you're a provider, you're an artist. Um, Third, you're also a missionary. Sometimes this is the only thing anybody ever thinks, you know, that work is for, um, and it's not all that work is for, but it's definitely not, it's not the only thing it's for, but it's something we need to talk about, Right? You have to remember that in some ways your work is about the people that you work with. Not exclusively, but there is a moment or there's times you need to remember that Jesus has put you in that place and it's possible that you are the closest to Jesus that they will ever get. And so Jesus wants you to show them what he's like. He wants you to show your coworkers what he's like. He wants you to show your customers. He wants you to show your boss. He wants you to show your company, what Jesus would be like if he worked in your field, in your job. Um, So he wants us to show with our actions, and he also wants us to share with others the hope and the joy that we have and share the gospel with them. And so you want to love people so much that they both understand and are blessed by your faith. And so we're missionaries in the workplace. And then I'm going to push these two together, Um, you're also a community servant and an image of God. Um, And so, so much can be said about this, but you need to understand that the work that you do in and of itself 
is valuable and it is God-honoring. Your work and the company that you work for serve our city. They serve our community through the goods and services that it provides in a way that reflects how God cares for the world. Okay, and there's connections there that you need to make. But the point here is that when you can see that your work, and when you see your work like this, when you understand what God has called you to do and to be in the workplace, you're going to see God come with you to work. Um, Or rather, you're going to realize that God actually is already in your workplace. Um, there's really this wonderful verse in uh, Genesis 28 that I love. It's verse 16, where Jacob says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. When you begin to think about your work and bring God with you to work, you begin to realize, oh my goodness, surely God is in this workplace. I just had no idea. I had no idea that my work mattered to him. I had no idea that... God dignified me so much that he, wanted, he gave me the strength and the ability to work so I could be a provider. Right? I had no idea that my excellence and my integrity are a reflection on him. I guess I kind of knew that, but I never really thought about how that's you know, an opportunity for me to connect with him. When we do this, when we embrace these, these roles that we play in the workplace, our work actually becomes, you ready for this? Our work becomes communion. When you can think about your work like this, it's communion because now God is there with you. God does the work that you're doing. God cares about the work that you're doing. God is with you in the work that you're doing. And so your work is communion. Your work is an opportunity to know God better, to work alongside him, to work with him. And sometimes this could just mean literally every hour on the hour, just whatever you're doing, just like turning back over your shoulder and acknowledging that Jesus is there with you. And saying, Jesus, how can we do this together? It could be like you walking out of a meeting and saying, Jesus, thank you for being there with me. It could be like you walking into a meeting and saying, Jesus, please be with me. This is going to be really difficult. Um... But in these ways, when you think about your work this way, all of a sudden work becomes an opportunity for you to commune with God. And so if you want to go deeper into this, um, I actually preached a whole seven-week series on work last January. You can chase the sermons down on our website. Um, Vision Pathways is actually studying through this right now. Um, They're going through it for the whole quarter. And so if you're not in Vision Pathways, you should be jealous You should be thinking, man, I wish I was doing that. Um, Well, we're going to start a new crop of Vision Pathways folks uh, this fall. And so if you are a young professional, we would love for you to be a part of this in year two for us. The point, though, here, and this is where it comes back to that tension that we were starting with, is this. When you work to honor God, He is always enough. Okay? Without God... Work is never enough. Without God, if God comes behind work, if you're putting, neglecting God so that you can work, your work will never, ever be enough. But when you work to honor God, when you bring God to work, then God is enough. And the work actually is 
satisfying because you understand the purpose behind it. And what's exciting about this is that this becomes true no matter what happens, good or bad or ugly in the workplace. Because the good in work is that God is blessing you. And the bad means that God is growing you. He's giving you strength. He's helping you to trust in him in the midst of that difficult stuff. He's growing your faith. He's showing you opportunities for you to say, all right, God, even in this difficult situation, it's easy for all of us to honor him. Sometimes not so easy, but it's easy for us, easier to honor him when things are good. But when things are bad, that's a chance for us to actually grow our faith and have our faith be so strong that it can even weather the bad stuff. But in the midst of the bad, in the midst of the frustrating, you realize that actually life is about him and not about work. Now, question here is that how can we be sure of this? You know, because I'm asking you to bring God with you to work. I'm asking you to totally change the way that you think about work or at least augment things that you've thought already. How do you know if you embrace this understanding of work and you bring God with you to work, how do you know that you're actually going to be satisfied, right? What's, is there a guarantee here, right? I'm making big promises. Um, if, let, let me just say this. If it doesn't happen, I'll give you all your money back. Um, money back guarantee. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. Well, how can you be sure that if you are willing to trust God in the midst of your fear of looking bad in front of your boss, how do you know God's going to protect you there? How do you know God is going to take care of you there? Right? That's really where the rubber hits the road. Right? Because I don't mean necessarily all the time to sin. Oftentimes the sins that I commit are subtle and I'm protecting myself. Right? So how can I know that God will be there to catch me if I make myself vulnerable and be honest? Right? How can I trust how can I know for sure that God will protect me if I serve other people in my workplace and don't just try to get what's best for me? Right? It's a real question. If you're not asking that, then you're probably not actually thinking about how this is going to work out in your work life. Okay? But if we're asking that question, how can we be so sure? My answer is, and the Bible's answer is, you can be sure because of the resurrection of Jesus. Okay? The resurrection of Jesus gives us assurance. Let me show you how. In Jesus' life, both in his work life, but then in his life as a minister, which I guess could also be called work life, but in Jesus' work life, he always did everything right. Okay? He always put God first. He always followed God's ways. And Jesus didn't just lose his job, but Jesus lost his life. Jesus stepped out and trusted God and he was betrayed. He was beaten and tortured and ultimately he was crucified. And if that's all you know, then you'd be a fool to follow Jesus. Because if you followed him and that happened to you, that means... I mean, it might not be literally dying, right, being tortured and crucified, but it could mean losing your job, right, losing your opportunity for a promotion, losing, right? I mean, that's what it would look like. But that's not where the story ends. God responded to Jesus' perfect life, not by keeping him from going through the bad stuff, but by raising him out of death. The resurrection of Jesus means that God gave Jesus eternal life. 
a life of happiness and joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. If you follow Jesus into your workplace, God guarantees that no matter what happens, whether it's good or it's bad, God will raise you from the dead and he will give you an eternal life, like a life forever of joy, of happiness, of satisfaction and fulfillment. That's the guarantee of the resurrection of Jesus. And so you can take all of your eggs and you can put them in the basket of Jesus, knowing that a thousand years from now, right, literally in a thousand years from now, you will have spent 950 of those years so deliriously joy-filled that you will barely be able to contain yourself. What do you think? 950 years for 50 years in this life. What do you think? Is that a good deal? I mean, seriously, like, is that a good trade-off? Would you take 950 years by deciding that for the next 50 years or 40 or 30, depending on how old you are, um, right? Um, Would you take the uncertainty of knowing that in this life, you're going to have to trust God and take whatever he thinks is best for you? I mean, when you think about it that way, it doesn't sound as bad, does it? Here's what happens. When you put all your eggs in the 950-year basket, knowing that at 950 years, it's actually just beginning. Like you're just scratching the surface, right? You're going to continually, progressively get happier and happier and more joyful and more satisfied and more fulfilled in a way that I don't understand. But if God is infinite, he's going to spend the rest of eternity delighting all of us. And not in a way that makes us like the center of the universe either because he's still going to be the center of the universe, in, again, ways that we just can't understand or wrap, my arms, or wrap our arms around, but we see it. We see it because he's so willing to give everything for us. He will stop at nothing less than eternity, than eternity with him. And if you're like, yeah, I just can't wrap my mind around it, like, I can't either. That's why I say 950 years, because I can try to wrap my mind around that. Um, but if you put all your eggs there, and then what that means is you got to trust Jesus for this life. Here's what's exciting, is that when you do that, this changes. When you do that, God all of a sudden becomes enough. God meets your deepest needs, right? You don't need money, actually. What you need is the approval of God that says no matter what anybody thinks or whatever you have or don't have, God is enough. I mean, that's what you need. You don't need the approval of your coworkers. What you need is to know for sure that God is delighted in you. Because if God is delighted in you, it doesn't matter what other people think. And so when you have this affirmation that comes from putting your faith in the resurrected Jesus and following him, man, this changes. And even if you're led into the darkness, even if you're led into the difficult times of you know, being cheated against and being hurt or being vilified in the workplace or being mistreated or, you know, misjudged or mischaracterized, 
Um, if you don't get a promotion because of your faith and your willingness to say, I'm putting boundaries on this work so I can care for God and my family and my church, right? Even in the midst of all of that, if it's bad, <laughs> God is enough. And I guarantee you that if you're all in with God, man, your faith in him, he will minister to you and he will say, I've got you. I know exactly where you are. You're right smack in the palm of my hand. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything else that this world has to offer if you have me. I am enough. I've got more to say, but we're done. We're done, because that's it. I don't think you need anything else. You just need to come to Jesus. Turn toward Jesus. Whatever direction, some of you have been following him. Some of you have been going the opposite way. Some of you are kind of going sideways, not quite toward God, not quite away from God. Wherever direction you're going, let's all, all of us, let's just turn toward Jesus and say, Jesus, you died for me. I'm in. You rose from the dead. I am in. I'm following you. I'm sorry for all the times I haven't. I'm following you. And I'm going to bring you with me to work. Whether you're Christian or not, all of us need to do this. If you're not a Christian, this is the first time. It can be scary. can be scary you're not alone. Come talk to me. Talk to the person who brought you about what does it look like to really follow Jesus. would love to share it with you. And for the Christians here, man, life doesn't work out and work is frustrating actually because we put work ahead of God. Let's turn toward Jesus and see what he does. It'll start tomorrow. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that your resurrection changes everything. Nothing is the same because you rose from the dead. And Jesus, we love you. We're willing to follow you. We're sorry. We're sorry. I'm sorry for my sins and the way that I have abused even your forgiveness. I've wandered away from you and I've conducted my work in ways that don't honor you, don't please you. Please forgive me. Jesus, come with us tomorrow. For some of us, work is going to start today. Come with us into our work. Be with us. Help us to bring you in. Help us to see you in the workplace. And Jesus, help us to do this together. Help us to be doing this with another guy or another gal to keep each other encouraged to pursue this so that we can not only see you, but we can talk about what we've seen. And we pray all this, Jesus, so that you'd be glorified, so that we would honor you in the workplace. In your name, amen. Well, we have a time now we're going to receive our offering. Um, I know that some of you give now as the baskets come by, so please get ready to do that. Um, So many of you give online. You just do the regular giving online. And so I want you to take this time to just think briefly about the gifts that you give to God. Um, These are ways that you honor him and you put him first. Um, And so just just think about the gifts that you give and the way that they actually help our church um, to be the church. And if you have a connection card, please make sure you drop that in the basket as it goes by as well.